Well, hello, Lantana Community Church. How are you doing? Visitors, it's so good to have you here today too. What a special day with baptisms that we saw today and we got to participate with that. That's awesome. And welcome everybody who is uh, visiting with us online. We're glad that you're here too. I, I didn't realize it was show and tell day, but um, I did bring something. So, kids, you're still here, right? So you're gonna help me out. What is this? A, a kite. Very good. Very specific. It's a shark kite. Yeah, you've played this game before, haven't you? Okay. So I'm going to see if I can get this thing to fly. And uh, here we go. I didn't read the instructions, but I think this is how you do it. Oh, it didn't, it didn't work. All right. I'm going to try something else. Maybe I, what if I ran with it? You think that'll work? All right, let's see if that works. See how much runway I've got here. All right. Oh, yes, it's kind of working, but not really. I'm doing it wrong. What's, what, do, what do I need? What do I need? I need wind. I do need wind. I know we had a lot of wind this week, didn't we? We could have flown a kite this week. Yeah, you need wind. It's kind of silly, you know, if you just fly a kite without wind. It's kind of like trying to live for Jesus without the Holy Spirit. It's not fun, is it, after a while, just to have to run all the time with your kite because you get tired. You're trying to do it all on your own. And it's not very fun to have your kite just kind of dragging behind you. That's not fun, but we kind of talk ourselves into it sometimes and say, yeah, being a Christian, it's fun. And being a Christian is, is, is uh, easy. Just do it on our own, right? But no, we can't. If we want to be followers of Jesus, we can't expect to be alive in Jesus and we cannot live life to the fullest in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We need the fresh wind and the fire of God. And if we live into that reality of God in our lives, it has to be more than just religion, doesn't it? It has to be more than just something in our own power. It has to be beyond that. The Bible I read is full of the pursuit of the presence of God with reckless abandonment because they believe that they truly won't survive without God. It's not something they can manufacture. It's not just something that they can manage their sin and go, go through life just doing religion. It's the story of the wind of God being the air that we breathe and the only hope for not only our lungs to be full, but for our lives to be full as well. We can't keep dragging along our religion and telling ourselves, yes, this is fun. And friends, come. This is fun, dragging our kite along, dragging our religion along. You should do it too. And everybody looking on saying, what are they doing? There's no joy in their life. There's no power in their life beyond themselves. They're just manufacturing this. Why would I want that? We need the fresh wind of God in our lives and the fresh fire that consumes us. And so we're going to look just for a moment here at a few different scriptures as we see the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible that we love. And the first example is right in Genesis 1, uh, 1 and 2. And so I'm going to read it from the screen to make sure that it's the same version that, that you guys have and that's up here. So here we go. It's in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and empty 
and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now that word for waters, I love that word. In the original language of Hebrew that was written in, that word for waters is yam. Can you say that? Yam. All right. Yam. That's fun to say, isn't it? Yeah. Did you know what the word for chaos is? Yam. It's yam. Same thing. Everything's yam. Yeah. So for water and for chaos, the word is yam. And so you could read it saying the Spirit of God was hovering over the chaos. God created everything from nothing. But at some point there was something there, but it was chaotic. And we even see all throughout the Old Testament that people are scared of the water. Why? Because they don't take swimming lessons, right? Yeah. So they're kind of scared of the water and it becomes this thing of the abyss, the chaos, something to stay away from. But the Spirit of God comes in, hovering over this chaos, and brings order, brings harmony to the chaos. And we see that in creation. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. The Spirit ultimately brings harmony out of chaos and confusion. And we want the Spirit to do the same thing in our life too, don't we? How many of you just want a chaotic life? How many of you don't want harmony in your relationships? No, of course not. We all want harmony. We don't want our lives to be chaotic. And yet we're trying to manage our lives on our own. We need the fresh wind of God's Spirit to come in our lives and manage the chaos. And we live in a lot of chaos, don't we? We need to bring harmony into our lives, but we can't do that on our own. We have to invite the Spirit to do that for us. And if you fast forward just a little bit, you have the story of Adam and Eve being created. You guys remember this story? In Genesis chapter 2, it kind of gives us a more artistic picture of creation. And so we're going to look at that in verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Did you guys know that you were formed out of dust? Ooh, you're dust. Yeah, I'm dust too though. Yeah, dust. And, and, and God formed, he went to the ground and he says, okay, I'm going to be an artist today. And God is a very artistic guy, isn't he? He's, he's, he's a, a God that, that likes to make things and create things. And so he forms Adam out of the dust of the ground, out of the clay. Did you know that the Apostle Paul in Corinthians, he's talking to the Corinthians and he's saying, you know what? We're like jars of clay. We're like jars of dust. Just on our own. We need God to fill us. Fill us full of his spirit. And so God, when he creates Adam, how is he going to make him alive? Does anybody know? How is he going to make him alive? He's going to use his power. And he uses his own breath. So he goes over to Adam and he breathes into Adam life. And all of us have God's spirit in us as far as his life, his spark is in us because we're made in his image. He breathes into Adam and Adam is alive then. And he has a soul because it came right from God and you have a soul because it comes right from God. And the spirit of God brings life to declare the glory of God. Jesus brought us that same life, didn't he? 
He brought us that same life when he says, you are going to become a new creation. The old has gone away. And these guys were baptized up here. Do you know what? They made a decision saying, I'm not going to live on my own anymore. I'm not going to trust just my own way of doing things, my own instincts. I'm going to put that aside as my old creation and I'm going to let God breathe into me his spirit, a new creation. So my, I'm a jar of clay and God's going to breathe into me and fill me with his spirit so that I'm new I'm a new creation. And that can only happen through Jesus who makes us new creations in him. The old has gone, the new has come. Did you know that if we fast forward a little bit, we see the prophet Joel. And he talks about this new creation. He talks about this new time when Jesus would come and make this happen. He said that the spirit of God is going to be poured out on all people both old and young, men and women. It doesn't matter if you're religious. It doesn't matter if you are uh, from a different ethnicity. God is going to pour out his spirit on all people, all genders. And he's going to communicate with them to bring reconciliation so that they too can be reconciled to God and each other. Now, we fast forward again, and we have this, this event called the Tower of Babel. Does anybody remember that? So God, what did God say to Adam and Eve? He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So that was the main command. It says, have babies and, and have families and enjoy your time, enjoy the creation and make sure you take care of it. And so they did that for a while and then sin came into the world and, and then they started doing things in their own way. And so then God said, you know what? There's a division between us now, but I have a plan. I'm gonna make sure that that division is healed and it's gonna be someone I'm gonna send and his name's gonna be Jesus, but, but he's going to make all things new again in your life and, and, and allow for reconciliation to happen. But the people began to huddle together and not huddle like in a good way, like when we get together around the fire or, or when we get together around the table to eat a really good meal. Who's hungry? Anybody hungry? Yeah, I am too. Yeah. So, or, or when we get together for Christmas, that's good type of huddling. This was bad type of huddling because they weren't huddling to, to give glory to God. They were huddling because they were afraid. They were afraid of this big scary world out there. And so they said, you know what? We're going to stick together so that we're not so afraid. We're not going to depend on God to not be afraid anymore. We're going to depend on ourselves. And we're going to not glorify God. We're going to glorify ourselves. We're going to build a huge building that reaches up into heaven. And then we're going to say, look how great we are. Look how awesome we are. And so they did that. And God looked on that and he said, you know what? If we allow them to do this, if we allow them to live without us, they're going to just kind of ruin their lives. There's nothing that they're going to not be able to do because they're just going to live in their own strength, but ultimately they're going to be miserable. So he came down and he scrambled the language of the people. The people were all of one language at first. And then God says, you know what? I want them to be fruitful. I want them to fill the earth. I want them to be diverse and celebrate my characteristic of diversity. And, and so they have to be scattered so that they can fulfill that commandment and he scatters their language. So then people are looking at each other and talking to each other and saying, I don't understand what you're saying. And so eventually they start to, to migrate and go in different places and live in different places according to their, their language and their cultures are created. And this is a really 
good thing that ultimately um, that God works through, but it has to happen because the Spirit promotes diversity and communication and scatters people to bring transformation to the world. This is a really difficult thing is the world we live in right now, isn't it, of people who are separate from each other. And sometimes people look different at, at school kids. Sometimes kids look different and kids get picked on if they're different or if they act different. That happens when you're an adult too. If people look different, if they're a different ethnicity or if they don't seem like you or act like you, they, we kind of naturally want to separate from them. But God in his spirit says, no, I have poured out my spirit on all people so that they'd be, be reconciled to me and to each other. And so we're called to live as reconcilers. We're called to live in the spirit that way, to surrender and the dependence uh, and our dependence is on the Holy Spirit, stepping in outside of our own mechanisms of control. And so God continues to reveal himself despite the sin of humanity, despite all the divisions, and he gets closer and closer and he gets more and more vivid as he reveals himself to us. And we see him at, at, at the Sinai as he gives the law to Moses and to the people. And we're going to read this from Exodus 19, 16 through 20. So let me paint this picture. The people of Israel, the Hebrews, have left Egypt. They've crossed the, the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his army have drowned in the Red Sea and now they've been traveling for a few days and they come to this mountain and it's the mountain of God and, and, and God says to Moses, I want you to prepare the people because they're going to see my, my glory. They're going to see my presence and be my presence. Make sure that they don't come all the way up the mountain. Make sure that they understand that I can't be trifled with. I can't be messed around with. I'm not like the gods of Egypt. And they have to respect the, my holiness and my power. So make sure that they understand the boundaries. That I love them. I want to be in their presence. But they have to understand who I am. I'm not a God that can carry in their pocket. I want to be close to them. But I'm not a God that can just be messed around with. So Moses gives the instructions. And then this is where we pick up the passage. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and there was lightning. Who guys, you guys like thunder and lightning? Are you scared of thunder and lightning? No, you're not? I am. No, I'm not actually. I love thunder and lightning. It's fun, isn't it? Boom, boom. So they're seeing this thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. And everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a, a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. And as the sound of the trumpet grew loud, louder, Moses spoke. And then the voice of God answered him. And the Lord descended to the top of the Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up. Okay? And then we pick this up um, in the next chapter. Moses has gone up to the mountain. He's met with God. God's given him the Ten Commandments which were a lot more than 10 commandments, but he summarized them in 10, okay? And then he, he comes down and he tells them to the people and he says, will you do this? And the people says, yes, we will do this. Yes, we will do this. They said, yes. And then um, 
now in verse 18 it says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear God, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The people were so scared, they said, Moses, we want you to talk to God. We can't talk to God. They were so afraid of who God is and that they would get it wrong. They were so afraid of his power that they kind of said, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Moses, you do this for us. And God is powerful. And, and again, you can't be trifled with it. But God was saying, Moses is going to intercede for you. And he's setting up this intercession so that later Jesus would intercede for us as a great high priest. And so at this time, you know, God gives the law to Moses. He gives the law to Moses. And this is a, this is a, a, a holiday, and the giving of the law, that they called Shavuot. Shavuot. And another name for that in the Greek is Pentecost. This is the time when they gave the law. This is what they're celebrating when they come to Jerusalem for Pentecost in Acts 2. They're celebrating the giving of the law to Moses and to the people. And so the people, again, are afraid of God's presence. And God's trying to teach them about his holiness, but that he's available. He's there. He's present. But I want to just dig into this a little bit with some of these key words. So Shavuot uh, means weeks. There's 49 weeks uh, between, um, between the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the crucifixion of Jesus, or the resurrection of Jesus, and, and Pentecost, okay? And then the next word is, is Pentecost, which just means 50. Um, and then, I'm gonna get some water here. So this word, kalot, can everybody say that? Kalot, kalot. Hey, you just spoke Hebrew. Did you know that? The kalot is an interesting word because it means voices, but it also means thunder. Boom, thunder. Now how interesting, when Jesus is being baptized, remember he was baptized, when he comes up out of the water, what does God say? Behold, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. But some of the people, what do they say? It's just thunder. It's just thunder. All right, so there's a connection there. So the, the, the ancient rabbis, kind of the, the extra biblical type sources, they say that at Sinai, God spoke 70 languages. 70 languages as they were hearing him thunder from the mountain that people were hearing, hearing him in their own language. And some of the people... Um, we're, we're hearing different, different things, different Egyptian dialects perhaps. But 70 kind of represented the different languages of the world at that time. You fast forward to Pentecost in the time in Acts 2. And you have all these other languages being spoken again representing the languages of the world at that time. There's some really cool connections here between the giving of the law and then the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The law brings awareness of sin, right? 
and sin leads to death. They said at the Mount Sinai that they would do everything that God told them. But yet, they didn't, did they? So after Moses gives the law, he goes up on the mountain and God says, I want all the 70 elders to come with you and I want them to stay on the mountain as well. All the people have to stay down. And then Moses goes a little bit deeper with God. And he stays for 40 days and 40 nights with God on the mountain. And pretty soon the people are saying, I think Moses is dead. I don't think he's coming down anymore. And so Aaron then says, well, um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with you. So the people say, let's make a golden calf. Let's make this calf because this was one of the, represented one of the gods in Egypt, Hathor. And, and the god Hathor actually was the god that took care of, of women and children. They were scared. They had the smoking mountain. It was trembling. It was thunder. And they said, we need to be protected. So let's worship Hathor. Let's, let's create an idol to Hathor and worship him. So when Moses comes down after 40 days, what is he seeing? He's seeing the people are doing exactly the opposite of what they said just 40 days before. And so he smashes that. He, he, he kind of pulverizes it. He makes them drink it. Can you imagine drinking gold in water? It's gross. You guys like like Dasani? Or what kind of water do you like? Any water snobs out here? Fiji water, Fiji water is the best. But can you imagine drinking it with gold in it? In that day, about 3,000 people died because they didn't obey what God told them to do. But did you know that in the time of Pentecost, as far as Acts 2, when the Spirit came, how many people were baptized that day? How many people? Do you guys remember? 3,000. Right? See that parallel that the Spirit gives life. Sin and, and, and it brings death. But the Spirit brings life. Now let's fast forward a little bit uh, to this Pentecost event in Acts 2. What would they do at this time? Again, people are coming from all over the world. And they're going to celebrate Pentecost. They're going to celebrate Shavuot. The same, the same thing. And they would offer two loaves at the temple to, to represent the two tablets of the law. And they would have a specific reading they did. And they would pull an all-nighter and read scripture. Who wants to do that? Anybody? Pastor Calvary is going to have sign-ups afterwards. Scripture reading all night long. But they would read passages like this one right here. Exodus 19 and Exodus 20. They would read Ezekiel 1. And, you know, Ezekiel's vision. Ezekiel was a weird guy. But he had this vision. So they would, they would read from that. They would read Numbers 28 and Deuteronomy 15 and 16. They would read the book of Ruth. They would read scripture all night long. And again, we, this just to me resonates what Jesus said. That man and women do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And at Pentecost, they were obedient and, and Jews had been scattered to the nations and then they would come for this pilgrimage feast to Jerusalem and celebrate the giving of the law. And this is the context for them coming together and being obedient and saying, we want what God has for us. And God had so much more than they expected. So let's read this in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. 
And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and filled the house where they were sitting. Now I want you to think about that compared to Sinai. The sound of the roaring mountain, the thunder, the smoke, the fire, and all these things. It's very similar. This connection is, is not by accident here. There's a roaring of a mighty windstorm that filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked to be like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. This fire is, again, the word for that in the, the Hebrew is barak. And it's the same word for lightning. And they would have seen this at, at Mount Sinai. And now they're seeing these tongues of fire on people's heads. Wouldn't that kind of be scary, you guys? Fire on your head? You think your hair would burn or something, right? But it was the Spirit coming down and baptizing people with fire. Fire purifies. Fire cleanses, doesn't it? Fire can be really good, but also burns away all the bad stuff too. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by believers. Again, people are from all over the world coming to this event. And there, sometimes at that time, Jerusalem would swell to over a million people. And usually it's only like 50,000. So can you imagine People just crammed in different houses and on the hillsides and tents, living anywhere they could. But they're from all over the world and they're here. They're hearing their own language. They're saying, what, what is going on? And this, I want you to picture this, of not just this wind that's kind of you open your windows this past week and the wind started blowing things around. It wasn't just like that. We're talking about a tornado type of wind that everybody in the city would have known and would have been aware of this experience of wind kind of blowing into Jerusalem. And then it goes into this specific room where tongues of fire are on their heads. And then, of course, they come out and they begin preaching to the people. And then they end up probably at the southern stairs of the temple where people would have been from all over the world. And they're saying, how can this be? These people are from, from Galilee, these, are, these, these disciples are from Galilee. How can they be speaking my language from Perea and all these different places? And they were amazed by what was happening. Okay? So this is going on. And this progression of God, again, coming closer and closer and closer, wanting to be by his people, wanting us to receive him as holy, receive him as a rescuer, as a savior. And now God is saying, I want to live inside of you. I want to be in you. I don't want to be just distant from you. I want to be so close that I want to live inside of you. And now he comes inside of the disciples and they began in the power of the Spirit to reach people. Again, this reconciliation happening to all different people, all different languages all different ethnicities, bringing reconciliation, closing that barrier that happened from Babel when people were scattered because they were doing their own thing. And God says, no, they have to do my thing because that's the best life for them. And now it comes full circle at Pentecost when people are understanding each other in their different languages 
rather than misunderstanding and being separated. They come together. So a few things as we kind of come to a close here about Acts 2. A few lessons we kind of pull from this specific passage. The Holy Spirit comes when they were all together. And the same is true for us in the church. Jesus' prayer in John 17 was, Father, make them one as we are one. If you look around the church in the United States, that is so rare. And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be rare. You look around the, the world and we see the Holy Spirit is moving in the global south. Tremendous growth. Tremendous church planting. People are being healed left and right. The Spirit is moving because people are saying, we're open. We're open to what God has for us. We're united. We're one. Setting aside our differences for a greater mission, a greater reality beyond ourselves. They're all together when the Spirit comes. All on the same mission. This is not just about proximity. It's not about you having to get on a plane and going somewhere. It's about you taking your heart and saying, I surrender. I surrender my own identity and I want to take on God's identity. I surrender my plans, my preferences, and say, God, what is your preference, your way, your truth for our community? Those are the things that God is calling us to. Secondly, the Holy Spirit comes when they're obediently waiting. Sometimes we just want to make things happen. You know, we're take charge type people. But a lot of waiting has to happen because that's when God does the sifting in our hearts and our lives and when he gets us to, to lay down the things that are getting in the way. There's so many distractions on the outside, but there's so many on the inside too, aren't they? Aren't there? Just things that, that we kind of prioritize higher, like our, our own pleasure and our own way of doing things don't want to be inconvenienced and all those things God says I need to break those down to do the mightier work in your life that I want to do and when that happens in your life and in your neighbor's life just think what you can do in this community just think what could happen in the greater community when we all surrender that way and we wait that way because quite frankly without the spirit in our lives we should be afraid we should be afraid of this chaotic world. We should be like the people on the bottom of the Mount, in Mount Sinai, trembling. Because God is so awesome and mighty, he cannot be mocked. He won't be mocked. He wants us to join him in his mission, his way. A surrendered obedience. This godly fear and all that we have of him. Resting with what it means to draw near to God without grabbing him without trying to control him, without making him into our own image, but just accepting God on his own terms. That's what he's asking for us. Third, the Holy Spirit comes because Jesus knows that his disciples, they need more than his teaching. They need his power. We see this all throughout the Gospels. Jesus teaches the people and then he demonstrates the kingdom with power, with miracles. Because you could say a lot of good things to people, but if you're not willing to be in their life, if you're not willing to, to, to give them food and, and, to, and to help them through their situation, then those are just words. People need to see the demonstration of power. They need to see people taking action and, and not just having words. And Jesus demonstrates this for us. You know, a kite is pretty to look at, especially a, 
a shark kite, right? But it's useless without the wind. It's useless without power. Fourth, the Holy Spirit fills the whole house. Again, look into the Second Corinthians. This jar, the jars of clay that we are. God wants to fill these jars of clay. He wants to fill our lives fully. Filled with the wind of his spirit. Not just as an individual, but the house, the temple, the entire city. We're not just given just a portion of the Holy Spirit that we can handle. Kind of a junior Holy Spirit. These kids, when they say, God, I want to follow you. I want to surrender to you. God doesn't say, okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of my Holy Spirit. And then when you get older, you get a, a bigger. No, he's like, you have the fullness of my spirit now. But will you open yourselves up? Will you let go so that God can come in in the fullness that he wants to do things in your life, to do things in your community that you never even imagined would be possible? Are you willing to do that? We're given the fullness of the Spirit. And this symbol of wind that comes in, blowing wherever it pleases, is beyond our understanding. People are like, what? what's going on? That's a pretty normal reaction in our flesh. What's going on? But as we continue to walk with him, we're like, well, yeah, that's normal. That's what God does. He changes lives. He brings transformation. This is what God does. We learn to expect it. But at first, it's kind of scary. And he always is surprising us. And when the wind blows, we're like, whoa, what is this? Even Nicodemus, we see this in John chapter 3. Nicodemus is like, Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about being born again, but this is, this is kind of weird. I have to enter into my mother again and be born again. He's like, no, no, no. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. How can you, as a teacher of all of Israel, Nicodemus, not understand this? Because Nicodemus was thinking here, but he wasn't surrendered here. We need to surrender to this spirit that God has given us by his power. And then we see this fire that represents the holiness of God. We, that kind of reverts back to Exodus 3 when Moses is at the burning bush. Same thing. It's the fire of God represented there. And we see the same thing at Sinai. Again, fire cleanses and it purifies. It can be beautiful and it can be terrifying. It can be painful and it can heal. The closer we come into God's presence, the more we realize that we are unworthy of being there. But through Jesus, we remain there so he can do his work in us. We don't allow shame and guilt and say, you know what? You know, I've, I've done too many things. My slate of sin is too long. I'm too embarrassed. I have too much shame. I have too much guilt. And so, God, you can't do anything with me. I'm not worth it. And we do this self-loathing thing. We say, okay, I'm just going to continue to do my own thing. God really can't use me. And some of you are stuck there. You're stuck in your shame. You're stuck in your guilt. But God is saying, no. I created you. You are mine. I want to give you a new name. I want to restore you. I want to reconcile you to myself. I love you. I proved, I proved my love for you by sending my son, my one and only son, to die for you. If nobody else was in the world, I'd still die for you. Now come back to me or come to me for the first time. 
and receive my love, receive my goodness, receive my rescue, receive my way. And the peace of Christ that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your life in Christ Jesus. And so he's asking you to come to him, to believe him, to not let sin and shame and guilt and all these things hinder you. And a lot of you out there, you're saying, you know what? I believe God can do this. I believe God can do anything. I'm just not sure if God can do it through me. Isn't that the lie sometimes that we believe? We think, yeah, God can do that. Yes, he can do that. But maybe through Pastor Calvary or maybe through this person or that person or somebody that's more spiritual than me, but he can't perhaps do it through me. That's a lie. He created you to be in community with him first and then with each other. He created you for his mission and for the advancement of his kingdom beyond what you're doing during your, your, the week, whatever you do. And he can do that through your job. You don't have to all quit your jobs and be missionaries. You are missionaries right on the front line, right where he has you right now. But just make him a priority in your life, in your week, in your decisions, everything that you do in that particular context. That's what he's asking you to do. You don't have to change your proximity. You have to change your priority. And so he's asking you, will you trust me right where you are and believe that I am there with you? You, you know this is an illustration before with a silversmith. And I love this. It's, it's that they, in order to get silver pure, they need to heat it up. If you look at silver... Just as it's, you know, being heated up, it's so cloudy you can't, you can't see anything. It's smoking and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, ah, it's not very beautiful at all. But after a while, they keep skimming that top stuff off after it's being heated up. And they continue to do that and pretty soon it smokes less. And what you see is an image. And it's a crystal clear image. The more that it's heated up, the more that the impurities come out. That's what God's doing in your life. Sometimes he's heating you up and it's, it's difficult. I'm not saying this stuff is easy. We have to deal with things of our past and, and some of you have painful things from your family of origin and some, you have painful things in relationships, but that stuff has to be processed through. God will heat that up with his very presence, with his spirit. And then that stuff, you have to give to him. And then you get to this point where you look and you see your image. You see, I see an image. And that image is made in the image of God. He's created you to represent him, to be his ambassador. The people began to speak in the power of the Holy Spirit with this heavenly collote, this heavenly thunder or voice. God gives us his spirit, his words as well to be his heavenly voice. We pray the prayer, don't we? May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. May that come through us. Wycliffe Bible Translators is an organization. There's many organizations that do translating, but our goal is to translate the scripture, the word of God, into everybody's language on the face of the earth. Kids, I want you to guess how many languages there are in the world. 70, that's a good guess because of what we talked about. I know you were listening. It's, it's more than 70 though. 100 more, it's more. 
One million? Less than one million. More than a thousand, but good guess. More than a thousand, but good guess. Two thousand, more? Not 10,000, but less than that. 9,000, keep, go down. 5,000, more than that. 7,400 languages. Yeah. So there's 7,400 languages in the world. Did you know that of those 7,400, 400 of them are sign language? Isn't that crazy? I never knew that. I thought we just had like American Sign Language and that did everything for the world. How ethnocentric of me, right? 7,000. But we still have over 2,100 different languages that don't have a shred of scripture. None. They don't have anything. And so we're working with those people groups that they can get a project, a translation project going in their, their people group, in their language. Because you know what people in those languages think? They think, your God, our God, it's not their God. So God doesn't speak my language. So that must be the God of, of the English or the God of the Spanish or, 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 or God of, of Portuguese. But he's not my God because he doesn't speak my language. And that's, that's tragic. But when they hear the gospel, when they hear the Bible translated in their own language, they say, he speaks my language? And you see transformation instantly happen by the power of the Spirit and people come to know Jesus in a saving relationship for the first time. So this is what we're doing and uh, we are just so thankful to be, um, to be here today. And we thank you guys for, uh, for listening and kids, you've been great. And uh, we really want to bring um, the language of the Bible uh, to life all around the world. And many of those 2,100 language groups are oral cultures, meaning they don't have any, any written language at all. So it's a bit tricky, and there's a lot of things we could say about that. Maybe next time we can talk more about that. But let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to continue to transform our lives and continue to bring his word all around the world. Father, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for the baptisms today. Thank you for the transformation that you want to do in each one of our lives and the promises that we have through Jesus who loved us. He gave himself up for us and he continues to draw near to us by your spirit. Fill us with your power. I pray over Lantana Community Church that you fill them with your love and with your power that they surrender to you deeply, that they're reconciled to you, Father, and to each other and that the world and their community that they engage with will know Jesus, because of how they love one another. Lord, thank you for loving us. We pray for people around the world that they will hear your voice, that they will understand your salvation, and that they will join your mission. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Daniel, for... Uh, yeah. Thank you for being with us today, for speaking to us. Thank you guys all for being. Uh, so you know, if you're a guest here, we uh, it's been a full day. We had a sermon in a sack. We did baptism, all those things. Usually we're not quite this long, but it's okay today because the Cowboys don't play till tonight. You won't miss anything, I promise. Um, I just I just wanted to tell you real quick, if you're uh, next week, I'm starting a, a new series of messages. It's going to take us into Advent, but it's going to be. I'm really excited about this. Um, I've been talking with different people and there are so many ideas about what heaven is. 
and what hell is and where they're at. And uh, you know, I found it interesting as I was looking in, Jesus never said heaven was in a different galaxy. He never said that. Jesus never said, let me tell you the good news about how you can go to this different galaxy. That seems to be a lot of the way some of us carry what heaven and hell is. Um, but he did talk a lot about eternal life and what that means. So next week we're going to start kind of talking about that. And what is heaven? And what is hell? And what is eternal life? And how do we get it? And where do we go? Uh, maybe questions that you have. If you do, I, man, I invite you to come and, and uh, participate in that with us. Bring a friend. We're going to talk about that. Do you get a halo? That's one of my... I hope I do. That would be awesome. My wife thinks I won't. Uh, a harp? I don't even know how to play the harp. But that would be pretty cool. So, I don't know. Like, we're going to talk about that, spend a few weeks uh, in that. If you're interested in that as well, then, man, join us for that. Start next Sunday. But thank you guys for being here so much. Why don't you stand up? Uh, I'm going to say a, a prayer, and then the worship band is going to sing us out. So feel free to leave as you worship. God, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for Pastor Daniel. Thank you for what he's doing in um, the world of translation, learning about, really, he just gave us a, a very quick biblical tour of language. How we started as one, how Holy Spirit, you bring us all back together as one, and now he's at work. Daniel is pastoring, I mean, uh, partnering with you to bring scripture to every language, even those that don't have written language. So I pray that you would uh, be with us and be with them as they do this very important ministry and this very important work so that all people can hear the language of Jesus in their own tongue. Thank you, God, for being with us today. Go with us this week and bring us back next week so we can talk a little bit about what eternal life looks like. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.